Hey everybody, welcome back to Rumor Flies. I'm Josh. I'm uh, Ryan. And I'm Greg. And today we are here Dead with Dead a... Media. Oh my god. You had a well, you it. usually sing it. So You're I usually wanted... the one that corrects me for not saying it. I know, I know. I, I, know. Wanted, to, I wanted to jump in and catch myself for once and pretend <laughs> I actually care about my company. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I've seen Greg before and... Uh, <laughs> You've he, seen me? I've seen, like, I've seen him at his <laughs> office once. and he's just like, you know what, Ryan? You want to watch something funny? And I was like, yeah, sure. He calls up one of his interns and just tells them they're fired. Like, he's just like, dude, wasn't I know. that? But they get really sad about it, just too. Like, they're like, no, laughing. this is for school credit. I will not take him. He was like, no, you're doing pretty badly. Other day, I was in his office, and I just saw him with, a, like, a whole stack of CVs, just threw half the pile in the garbage can. I was like, what's that for? He's like, I don't like hiring unlucky people. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell my process. <laughs> Then there was the time he just let his French horn out in the middle of a phone call and was like, suck on that motherfucker. <laughs> and that was it. I prefer the butt trumpet. <laughs> well, back to brass tacks. Well, okay, before we get into the episode, <laughs> actually. Before we actually get to brass tacks. Before we actually get to brass tacks, Greg has a little plug for a local podcast. Greg, why don't you tell us more about it? Hey, everyone. So we got a special plug this week from a wonderful local New Orleans podcast all about film and the film industry. It's the Incivitas podcast, N-S-A-V-I-D-E-S. The Incivitas podcast is for filmmakers, musicians, and other creative people who rely on collaboration to do amazing things. Recent guests include director John Lee Hancock, the founder of The Blind Side, VFX supervisor Jeff Jasper of The Dark Knight and Interstellar, and editor Hunter Villa of The Walking Dead and The Mist. Nick is actually going to be doing extensive coverage during South by Southwest. Um, he'll be there from March 10th to the 19th. I'm sure he'll have some social media going, but he always does a lot of really good coverage. He did some great stuff with New Orleans Film Fest back in uh, October. Was that the? Yeah, I believe it comes out in October. So I remember, I remember a few years ago even doing interviews with him. He's a great hustler. He gets out. He hunts down those interviews. He gets really good content and some great people on. Highly, highly recommend his show. He does everything himself records, edits, tracks down everybody, does great work. So uh, he's a great New Orleans podcaster here in town. Check out the show notes in the description of this show for a little more information on where to find him at. Yeah, so feel free to go check that out. So today's episode The Encevitas Podcast. All right, thank you. <laughs> Not that that wasn't established already. Today's episode is about sleep. Now, before we get too much into it, we, we decided that this would be a very, very unique topic to talk about because a literally everybody does it so you people can relate yeah i thought we were gonna have a lot more like recurring episodes this season but we're actually stepping into a lot more new ground uh than i expected yeah this is some uh uncharted territory but i'm like this was very interesting this went very different than the way i thought it was gonna go but i'm it's just it's super interesting um i actually think this might have potential for another episode in the future but i'll talk to you about that later okay well yeah, so just before we get too, too deep into it, we are going to have a little primer about this because, oddly enough, even though we all do it, we actually don't know a hell of a lot about sleep. And it's a lot more complicated than we give a lot of credit to something that we do for a good portion of our lives. I mean... What is it like? Oh, God damn it. That's what we should have done. Depends on how much of a go-getter you are. Well, what is it? Like you spend a third of your life sleeping? It's something like that. Let's go with that number. I don't, I don't, I don't know why we didn't think of that. Anyway... Potential for the next well, season. Well, suppo you're supposed to get eight hours of sleep a night. There's 24 yeah, hours theory. a day. So let's go with a third. Yeah. Except for those fucking lazy babies. Well, we'll get to that too. So, yeah. Uh, Don't be getting any babies, Josh. All right. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no tact. All right, that's enough. He said it with raised eyebrows, okay? I had to call him out. <laughs> so, yeah, there, there is, you know, we're very limited as to the scope of what we can get into with sleep because, like we said, it's, it's very much an ongoing study, as, as silly as that sounds. They, they study a lot of people who sleep. Yeah, let's hit the basics and then get a little bit less basic. So, we're going to start off with a very, very basic concept. What we know about sleep. So I'm going to start off, and Ryan, you brought this up. What is sleep? And sleep is actually a naturally occurring, periodic, and reoccurring state in which consciousness and muscular activity is temporarily suspended or diminished, and responsiveness to outside stimuli is actually reduced. Yeah, and a lot of people fight over that definition alone. That's the most generally accepted one, but a lot of people like had a lot of criteria to judge sleep by because there's a few things that it might be compared to and it's not. Like hibernation? Yes. Mm, or a coma? Mm. And what are those two considered pretty much? Like the, the difference between being in a sleep, being in a hibernation, Ryan? and being in a light coma. Ryan? You got me, fam? No, you forgot anesthesia. Oh, and anesthesia? Yeah, You're so extra, Josh. Mm, I'm not very basic. So hibernation, okay, since you decided to ruin it, that's when... Uh, it includes a reduced body temperature and metabolic rate and a coma or anesthesia is where reversion from the state can be nearly impossible, even when exposed to painful stimuli. Now, Ryan, just kind of off the cuff here. Have you ever had anesthesia? Thankfully, no. Both of my parents, uh, they were nurse anesthetists yeah. and I luckily have not ever had to experience their trade. I am actually terrified of anesthetics. I, so I shouldn't be, but I am. I was put under once and I didn't know what I know now. So I was like, yeah, f it. It's fine. Not a big deal. And I actually didn't become scared of anesthesia until I woke up from that because it's very, very odd to be like, okay, you're going to go to sleep. And then it clicks. And the next thing you know, it's forward in time. It's like a time machine. And you're just like, it's very confusing. I felt very like my body felt very out of place when I woke. up. Well, I don't think I've mentioned this before. I may have, but I'm sorry if I did already. But I, I think the reason why I don't like anesthetics is because the, the I've had a technical bleed out before where like I've given blood uh, in high school. They used to have like the, the you know, blood bus the blood donor up. truck. Yeah. yeah. The vampire mobile come by and then just like um, they would take blood from, you know, young upstrapping boys. So what, young lads. So when I did it, I didn't have breakfast, and I generally was not of a very you know heavy weight. I, I didn't eat well either. I wasn't high school. I was like a seventeen year old high school kid. So obviously I didn't eat well. So when they went to go take the blood, I passed out, and it was such a weird experience because like it's just like you um are awake, and then all of a sudden you have somebody slapping you in the face with a bag of ice, and it was scary as shit. And I was like, that's what a bleed is. That's what it's like to go into a coma. That's what it's like to die. You just there, there's nothing there. And after that, I was like, I don't want to go under anesthesia. That's the, I feel like it's pretty close to the same thing almost. Yep, that's, that's what I went through. But So that, that's the difference between hibernation to go with a coma or anesthesia. All right, so here's the part that now that we've... Uh, it's okay, you don't have to ask me if I've been under. That's cool. Greg, have you been under? No. Yes. For what? Uh, I had an appendectomy, you know, it was real serious, uh, real... Uh, most of the time, people don't get appendectomies for funsies, though. I was going to say, usually it is, it's not a good time. No, it actually You don't just terrible. check off what you want at the doctor's office <laughs> no, when you show up. it was not fun. It was not fun. Um, but yeah, I've been under. Um, I was so young. I mean, I was in like third grade or fourth grade, so I, I don't know. I just remember going under and waking up and like not thinking much of it. But now y'all are already making me feel more questioning and terrified of it, so thanks for that. No problem. 
I don't want to trust medicine anymore. It's Good a, job. Mission I, of the podcast. Can I suggest you Infowars.com? That's right. where they're not trying to sell you bullshit. <laughs> if I take colloidal silver, I never need to go under again. There you go. All right. So now that we've defined sleep, we can go into some of these details of, of the process of sleep, including the mechanisms, uh, a few different the phases of sleep and everything. And we're doing this mainly because it'll help us streamline the myths and rumors that we're going to be covering for this episode. So with that being said, we're going to start by talking about the mechanisms of sleep. And oddly enough, the mechanisms of sleep have not been very well understood for thousands of years. The most accepted working model is the two-process mode of sleep. Posited by sleep researcher, researcher Alexander Burbley, Borbley, Borbley, he's Swiss, you know, they just got that weird last names. That was in the early 1980s, so it's not been very long. I remember reading another thing, like uh, one of the Roman geniuses way back in the day decided that the way uh, sleep worked was that when you eat foods throughout the day, it releases vapors from your stomach into your head, which cool down. And as they cool down, that's what causes sleep. So we it's all really vape? weird. Yes, we all vape. Okay. We get it. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, uh, the the two processes of the two process mode of sleep are the circadian rhythm, which is better known by most people as your internal clock or sleep, which controls your sleep cycles pretty much. Like Aww. just when you should be up, when you shouldn't be up. It, it just keeps your schedule for you. That's that wonderful thing where it's like, I need to be up at 6.30 and you wake up and it's like 6.23. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then just like, I think I can beat the alarm and fall asleep for another <laughs> minute or two. Never works. Don't do it. Yeah. It's just it's you being like, man, the alarm should be off, but it should be going off by now. The alarm should really be going off by now. <laughs> what the hell? Did I forget to set it? Did I oversleep? <laughs> Can we agree that there's no better feeling in the world when you wake up and you're like, oh, I got to be up in an hour. And you look at the clock and it's like four hours. Yeah. Only. Nice. Real nice. Only trumped by that midnight pee where it's just you go back to bed so relieved afterwards. I don't have that issue. Really? I also don't have the bladder of a 12 year old girl like you and Greg do. That's true. You're missing out. Womp womp. So anyway, the other uh, process is called sleep-wake homeostasis, which is the accumulation of something called uh, hypnogenic or sleep-inducing substances in the brain. So all the things, you have your schedule, and then you have the things that are, you know, time to take your bedtime pills. That's what your brain's pretty much doing. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, It's a little bit more complicated than that, but we really don't need to go any more in-depth in it than we have already. But there is an important note that both of these are actually heavily affected by a person's genes. No, not their pants like you've made before. You've, you've made that joke already, okay? So I'll burn that f***ing bridge every time I want. We're going to put that next to the square jar, the, the overused joke jar, okay? So a big thing that determines how humans actually sleep is the amount of light or darkness that we are exposed to while we're sleeping. You see, exposure to the light stimulates the nerve pathway from the retina in your eye to the area of the brain called the hypothalamus. Now, there's a special center inside of that called... Oh my god, I like I saw the word and I was like, I don't know how to say it. You got this. <laughs> Su Superchiasmatic. Yep. Okay. Expialidocious. Okay. There is a special area of the brain called the suprachiasmatic nucleus, which initiates the signals to the other parts of your actual brain that control your hormones, the body temperature, and other functions in there that play a role in making us feel sleepy or awake when we actually do wake up. So I guess the egg the non-egghead version is pretty much uh light actually very much affects how much sleep we can get 
or how much sleep we're supposed to be getting at a certain time. Right. And or the absence of. Right, exactly. That's important. We'll and, come back to that. And one of the things about when we sleep actually is there are five stages. I don't know if you knew this. I didn't know that, which is very funny to me because there's stage one, two, three, four, and REM sleep. Yeah. Well, even so, I've actually noticed that I've read in two different places that there's either one, two, and then some scientists split it into three and four, but I'm just going generally with three for time's sake, I guess. So there's three stages, four, if you talk to somebody that's super snobby about it. I can explain why. Okay, cool. The reason why is because we spend about 50% of our time asleep in stage two, actually. Yeah. And then the other 20, another 20% is spent in REM sleep, and the other 30% is just kind of divided up between the rest. Yeah. So that's why they only actually say three, because they just kind of lump it all together. Fair enough. But also, interestingly enough, infants, like you mentioned before, spend about half of their time in, rim, in, in a REM sleep. Hmm. So we're going to get to what those are. Yeah. So when we say this REM and non-REM sleep, we mean REM sleep, which is rapid eye movement, not the 90s or 80s band, that, depending on which time you're listening to them. We're not pushing elephants up the stairs. Or early 2000s. Uh, no, no Jim Carrey movies here. Actually, I really like that movie. So I love that movie. So uh, REM sleep, uh, this is the phase of sleep associated with the most vivid dreams and the least physical function. So this is like what generally people, when they are just full-blown sleeping and having all their either, you know, naked in the middle of school dreams or uh, what are some other terrible things that I was thinking about? Um, Being in a job interview in your underwear. Reliving being locked in the closet for a day at a time. Study for. Yeah, things like that. So you're, you're telling me it's basically a deep sleep. No, actually. No? I'm not right. telling you that. Well, I thought right. that too. Okay. But uh, so anyway, it is characterized by a quick movement of the eyes, therefore rapid eye movement. And they don't know exactly why your eyes go so quickly back and forth, back and forth, left and right, left and right. But I think it is associated with the intensity of the dreams that you're having. That seems like almost too simple of an answer, but it, I mean, I don't know what it is. So I'm going to go with that one. All right. So... Uh, Anyway, uh, heavy breathing does indeed speed up along with heart rate during REM sleep, and brain activity during REM uh, resembles wakefulness more than that of any of the other non-REM sleep phases. Now, the non-REM sleep phases, and I say all these things because they're important, uh, the other non-REM sleep phases uh, the three leading, are the three leading up to REM sleep. So pretty much throughout the night you start, you, you lay down, Phase one is pretty much just kind of that wakefulness, sleepiness, kind of just like lull a little bit. Like you can be easily taken out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Stage two is one where you're going to have a little bit more of a, uh, you're going to start having hypnagogic jerks, which is kind of like, you know, when um, you're in the middle of like you're sleeping and all of a sudden you're just like, yeah, you get that falling feeling. You just jump up like that. I hate that. Which I don't have this in the notes, but I've read that the reason that happens is because apparently when we were still in our phase of sleeping in trees, when we weren't quite humans just yet, it was a way to make sure that we actually had like stable footing or grounding so we wouldn't fall out of the tree. So it'd be like a double check to make sure, you know, that type of thing. Even on a simpler scale, you'll have it where like, I've had just like a leg like spazzes like you'll have like a yeah, twitch yeah, and like yeah. what just one instead of a full snap i've had it plenty of times where just like yeah i've had it, both yeah yeah a leg just kind of pops out yeah <laughs> i always I've wake been respons- up <laughs> i've been responsible for some accidental domestic abuse because of hypnagogic jerks so. i like i wake up and I'm like mother fucker, i oh god My abuse i hate is never it. accidental oh <laughs> yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah, beating your wife is funny you're a legit wife beater now greg no it's cool see my leg still spazzes out but i'm like kind of wishing it will Mm-hmm. So you know what I mean? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nuance! <laughs> <laughs> Can't say I hit her if I used my foot. 
<laughs> oh my god, I don't think it's okay. gonna make the cut. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, phase three of REM of non REM sleep, I'm sorry, is what we know as deep sleep, and dreaming is more common during phase three than the other two are non REM phases. And this is also the phase of sleep which is responsible for something called night terrors or sleep paralysis or the old hag phenomenon. Anybody that's experienced this knows that that is no bueno, no fun, and I personally hate it with a passion. I've had it happen to me. Is that like an old hag chasing you around? Yes, exactly. No, so... I I wasn't making a joke. I was being dead serious. You've probably had this happen before. So my version of old hag that I have is... um, So I have a shoulder problem where it just frequently pops out of the socket. Mm Mm-hmm. So occasionally in the middle of the night, if I'm sleeping on my right side, which I try not to do, it'll pop out of the socket. And then, However, if I'm in phase three, because uh, the way sleep works in these, uh, these sleep phases, they go uh, one, two, three REM, and then it just goes back down to one and back up to three. So it's, it's like it's, a, a it's, fa- it's literally phasic, like if yeah. you were to see a chart. So apparently if I get, you know, if I wake up with uh, or somewhat wake up with my shoulder out during phase three sleep, I can feel it. I can try to get up. But my body is still in paralysis since all those functions have been shut down. Oh. But I'm still conscious and I can't t- say anything. I want to scream, but I can't. You know, have you ever had those times where you like you're trying to get out of a dream? You're trying to wake up or like you're like, yeah, that that's half, what I was referring to. It's yeah. that half nap where you're trying to wake up, but you can't do it. Now, why is it called old hag? I've heard night. I've heard sleep paralysis. I've never heard old hag because there is a different version. I'm, this is getting uh, pretty into it, but it's very interesting. So that's the version that I've had. It. I don't like it, but it could be worse. Old hag is also what a lot of people blame for um, alien abductions or demonic uh, entities in the room. It's this feeling where you have this uh, other presence like on top of you, pinning you down. Like, you know, I said I couldn't get up. Uh... It's that type of thing where you feel like you have something getting pinned down. And if some people's dreams or mind is vivid enough, they actually see something in the room or they detect a presence on yeah, them. Yeah, like I've heard that people like see something. I have heard that. Yeah. That's old hag, and this usually happens during phase three, but it's usually after you're coming out of a sleep, not as you're going into one. It's like after you've gone through one hump of a phase and you're going down or something like that. Gotcha. That's usually how it happens. I would just suggest it's kind of like residuals from the vivid dreams from rapid eye movement, then you going back in, just waking up from that. So it's kind of like this half awake consciousness where your mind is awake, but the rest of your body isn't. Well, that and that leads us to our next point: is why do we actually sleep? And like we mentioned before, there actually is no clear answer, but there is some kind of understanding of the mechanisms, and it is pointed to a few very educated guesses. And this is the last bit we're going to get into before we, we cover the topics. And very quickly, we promise. Yeah. One of them is energy conservation. So when you sleep, your body temperature actually drops by about one degree Celsius, which granted isn't a whole lot, but it's your body's way of conserving it, conserving energy, like it says. And, and, and it leads into the next thing that they also believe is physical restoration. So by conserving energy, you're allowing your body to repair itself. And, you know, like when you work out, when you work out, you, you exhaust the muscles and when you sleep, it actually repairs itself. So that that's another reason why people actually believe that we need to sleep. But it's time for your little fibers to repair themselves and run around and to release that lactic acid. It's a little personal band-aids all over your body. Now, and the, the last thing, though, is that there's been studies where animals were deprived of any REM sleep for as long as two months. And there was no significant effect on their everyday life or, you know, what they normally did in their routine. So, like I said, there is no clear cut answer 
But those are the the educated guesses as to why it actually happens. I really do like the physical restoration aspect of it. To me, that makes the most sense. But that's just my dumb brain kind of wrapping my head around it. So, you know. Yeah. And also another interesting fact on this is when you were talking about the energy conservation aspect of it as well. So apparently sleeping only reduces metabolism and energy use by, in humans at least, by about 5 to 10% overall at most yeah it's not a whole hell of a lot and uh in this one quote that i saw by some estimates eight hours of sleep saves about the amount of energy in a slice of toast sounds about right and that actually makes me think like is burnt toast less caloric than regular toast considering that some of the i guess useful carbohydrates have been cooked i don't know write to us if you're a toast expert i was gonna say sounds like another food installment (laughs) that's a stretch greg okay Nope. Toast don't stretch. Anyway, uh, so anything else on that? No, I think that about covers it. I know that's a little long-winded, but we felt like it was it was necessary to establish why we're getting into it and what we're talking about. So that way it makes all these topics we're going to cover a lot more understandable and a lot more clear for you guys. Right. And to be honest, it's slightly my fault because I'm the one with the, it just was the luck of the draw that I got some of the... Uh, topics that I have to explain some of those things beforehand for, but we have some wacky ones in here too, which I really like, and we're going to end it with something kind of interesting. So the first topic that we're going to be covering today is the effectiveness of melatonin. Now, off the bat, do either of you take melatonin ever at all? I have. I, it's not something I normally take, but I have, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've taken it in the past a little bit. I'm, I'm honest, Even from personal experience, I'm, I feel like it might have helped, but I'm not fully convinced. Okay. So essentially melatonin, uh, that's the way I kind of feel about it too. That's the reason I want to do this because I take melatonin relatively frequently. So uh, yeah, I definitely go through fra- phases of increased use. Yeah. Um, so melatonin is a naturally produced hormone that's made by the pineal gland, which is right smack dab in the lower center of the brain. And uh, the way it's made is by like, so as you were saying with light, uh, how it affects our sleep. Your sleep. Yeah. So melatonin production is increased as you are exposed to less light throughout the day. So if it's at peak light levels, like, you know, bright sunny day, you're probably not producing any melatonin in your pineal gland. As it gets to the twilight hours or so, then, or the, like, you know, it gets a bit darker, then your pineal gland will kick into action and start producing more melatonin. That's kind of a, a callback to our, our episode where we talked about um, this UV lights damaging the skin and stuff like that. Yeah, and so this is also a reason why people say that you shouldn't have a TV on while you're sleeping. I still have one on just for the comfort sake of it, but I mean, like they say that the light will kind of affect even going through your eyelids to the melatonin production. Well, that's why you shouldn't have a box fan either when you sleep. A box fan? The, the, uh, the Korean thing. Korean fan death is very real, okay? <laughs> Hold on one second. Um, I, I missed a little bit what you're saying. You're talking about the sun damage. Are you mixing up melatonin and melanin? I am. Yeah, I just wanted to make a slide. He didn't even need to look up that typing. So anyway, uh, what a lot of people believe uh, melatonin is best for, because they make a synthetic version of it too. And a lot of like pilots use this for jet lag, but a lot of people also use this as just kind of like an over-the-counter remedy, remedy for insomnia. So, and it can also be used for a couple of different things. Like a lot of people say it might help with ADHD or cluster headaches or even to help with smoking cessation. We're going to talk about the insomnia aspect of it and just helping you sleep better, get to sleep faster, anything like that. This is going to be pretty quick and dry. So there actually aren't a whole lot of agreeing studies on the insomnia aspect. 
So what I'm going to say for you is that some studies suggest that melatonin may help with certain sleep disorders, such as jet lag, delayed sleep phase disorder, which is done by, like, say, um, shift work. You know, like you have people with jet lagging and people do shift work where they will be working uh, four days all night and then four days all day. They really don't have the chance for their circadian rhythm to get back into whack. Like that rhythm that their sleep schedule, they don't have an internal clock anymore because they just keep flipping it all over. I mean, it's very frequent on film sets. I mean, we'll pull frequently doing 10 to 12 hour days and then suddenly like mid shoot, you're a week and a half in, they flip to day for night shoots or night for day shoots. And right. Yeah, we're, we're all over the clock. And jet lag for anybody that doesn't know, it's when you go somewhere with such a significant time difference that when you get back, you pretty much will be on a schedule that, or even when you get there, your schedule will be what's usually your nighttime is their daytime, so you're tired during the day, but then you just were like wide awake at night. Yeah. Um, so it's also been shown to be helpful for a sleep disorder that causes changes in blind people's sleep and wake times, which I feel like would be the people that would need the most of that because you, blind people don't have light exposure as far as I know. I don't think it goes into the pineal gland after that. So that's something that can be helpful for. Um, let's see. And studies are mixed on whether melatonin is effective for insomnia in adults. But some studies suggest that it may slightly reduce the time it takes to fall asleep. Now, what we've said here is that uh, melatonin pretty much helps with the... It's, um, it helps get you into REM sleep faster. Right. Or, so, but that doesn't mean it makes you get to sleep faster necessarily. So that's a big, big distinction where people get it wrong. Yes. So if you want a more restful night of sleep, then you take melatonin. But you're still going to probably get to sleep at the same amount of time that you usually do unless you take something else like a sleep aid that actually is used to be a well, sleep aid. Like, yeah. you know, Ambien or all the other ones. I don't know the names. But uh, melatonin essentially is pretty much it's making the best out of that time that you have. Right. You get the most restfulness out of that REM sleep. So essentially, insomnia, I wouldn't say that you should be taking melatonin for insomnia. Um, you can try, but I don't think it's going to get you very far, according to most of the studies that they've seen lately. So that's about just about it. But the interesting thing about melatonin is, of course, there's always safety constraints. So uh, a lot of people say the baby shouldn't use it because it might affect them with, like you, know, you said, they're, they're in a lot of REM sleep all the time. They think that putting, I don't know, more melatonin will put them out of whack or something like that. Not sure. Uh, one person, I, I was reading a HuffPost article, which not going to lie, not my favorite website, but sometimes they have some interesting uh, articles on it. Uh, the term, so they had a doctor that said the term safe in quotations is used very freely and loosely with this drug. Now, I don't think that it's actually that bad for you because once again, he used the thing of like, you know, uh, we haven't done any long-term studies on it, so there's no way of knowing what it could do to you in the long run. But you can apply that to literally almost anything. It has some merits to it, but it's also one of those type of um, those GMO type of deals. But like, really, we've been, it's endogenous in us. And we take melatonin over the counter all the time and nothing has really happened. Also, they said the term safe is uh, very freely and loosely thrown around with this drug. Well, considering that they've never found an acceptable LD50 for this, we've talked about an LD50 before in plenty of episodes. I would say that it's relatively safe enough. I mean, to me, I, the thing I hate about not a doctor. <laughs> well, the thing I hate about cherry picking like that is you could then say, well, 100 percent of the people that have drank water have, you know, are going to die or have died at some point. Like, it's just one of those cherry picking stats that, yeah, it's technically true, but, it, you know, that's not what you're going for. Right. They found a lethal dose of water, though. 
I mean, if you inhale it. But my point being is that, like, yeah, technically that is correct. But that, you know, drinking water doesn't necessarily mean you're going to die right then and there. Like, they make it sound. Yeah. 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 And like I said, they have an LD50 for water. It's really high. But they don't have one for melatonin yet. They've had some people, like, pound some down. I think even in animal studies, they haven't been able to kill the mice with melatonin yet. That's pretty impressive. Somebody call me out in the emails with that. That's fine. (laughs) You did extra research for me. Um, so that's about it for melatonin for me. What about you, Josh? We're going to get wacky now? Yeah, we're going to get to one that I know everybody has heard because there's different TV shows and there's just, it's been passed down from a lot of different people over time, you know, to say that you should never wake anybody who is sleepwalking. Step brothers. So the reason why I've heard this is because if you, uh, people that are sleeping, they don't have any sort of thing like a normal muscle control. Right. So what happens is, they have this like ridiculous strength. So if you try to wake a sleepwalker, they'll just go ahead and do something called a sleeper hold on you because they're sleeping. Yes, that's exactly that's exactly where. what I've known, and that's I, that, that's my understanding of it. By the way, Greg, my favorite line from that movie is when she the mom wakes them up and she just she wakes up John C. Riley and he goes, "The clown has no penis." She's like, "What kind of dreams are you guys having?" <laughs> but so I broke this down into two things: is what is sleepwalking and how does it occur? Now I don't know if y'all know this, but there is a scientific name for sleepwalking. Anybody? Somnambulance. All right, Ryan, f- off. Okay. Somnambulance is like one of my favorite words in the English language. Well, I have a whole ranking of my top favorite hundred words. I don't want to hear it. Somnambu- somnambulism uh, is also what it's called because Ryan decided to. Sh- all over it like he typically does but it's part of a larger category of sleep related disorders known as parasomnias which includes night terrors rim behavior disorder restless leg syndrome and sleepwalking now restless leg syndrome by the way is atrocious and rem behavior disorder is the one we start acting like the band rem and start just playing all the greatest hits <laughs> on whatever you can find whether it be a pen a straw a table invest in guitar hero you'll save yourself a lot of heartache Well, the thing I like, though, is that according to Dr. Anna Krieger, she is the director of the Sleep Disorder Center at New York University. She said that the origin of this myth probably started because, like Ryan very loosely hinted at, is that sleepwalkers' response when they're awakened is very startled. They... Um, they're very confused. They're very terrified. They usually don't have any memory of how they ended up there either. So while you're being an asshole you're kind of on the right track, which is typically how things go with Ryan. It's very akin to the symptoms after watching Primer for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, but it's funny is that there is a, a doctor-recommended way on how to deal with somebody who's sleepwalking. And they, they suggest that you lead that person back to bed by grabbing their arm or their elbow because that's the safest way that won't disturb them and it won't cause any hysteria or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to what actually causes sleepwalking, though, sorry to be a little mundane, but researchers aren't quite sure what brings it on. But it is known that it occurs during the deepest and most restful stages of sleep. So take solace in the fact that if you are walking around in your sleep, it's because you are very well rested. Uh, Really? Yeah. So I I just remembered this uh, very anecdotal bit because I, I don't know how true it is. Uh, my, my grandpa passed away when I was very young, but my dad always told me a story where um, apparently th- 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 I'm leading into why I think maybe sleepwalking or something. Uh, so I think it's a pattern thing. Like it's, they just do things that they're used to or do things that, you know, 
kind of makes sense for them. Number one, we know somebody that used to sleepwalk all the time and then just pee in his brother's drawer. Yeah. Which is hilarious. But uh, my grandpa apparently used to get up in the middle of the night and just get a bowl from the cabinet and then just crush saltine crackers in the bowl and pour water in there and eat it as cereal. Okay. So I don't know how <laughs> true that is, but I really hope it is. Um, I guess it's just the sleepwalkers morning breakfast. But I, I think it's kind of like the brain just trying to kind of patternize things. I, I would say like, you know, maybe be weird if it was different, but apparently it was always crackers and water. And he didn't do that when he was awake. So I don't know. It's very interesting. Yeah. Huh. But I think it has something to do with like regular patterns that you would do, like almost muscle memory. Like you don't remember driving home sometimes. Not because you're drunk or anything like that, but just like, you know, you're so used to doing that, that route. Uh, your brain just doesn't log it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So like when I, when I said earlier, the, the two things are broken down into, like I said, it's very, it's very unfortunate that the answer is kind of mundane. We don't actually know what sleepwalking is. I mean, obviously, when you see sleepwalking, when somebody is sleepwalking, you know what it is. Um, and they don't know how it occurs. But kind of going full circle here, Ryan, like you mentioned before. They believe that the behavior of sleepwalking runs in families, and it often occurs in people who have underlying sleep disorders, like I mentioned before, like a restless leg syndrome or sleep apnea or things like that. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. So it's more common in those people, and I think it has more to do with something that I've experienced where you don't get the sleep like you normally should, so when you do sleep, you sleep hard. And so you go deeper into that REM cycle and then your body reacts for whatever reason and the way that it does and you're sleepwalking, you're moving about and things like that. So it's not the worst thing in the world to wake somebody who is actually sleepwalking, but be a little courteous. Nobody likes to be woken up being shook or slapped or anything like that or things thrown at them. So if you, you know, you know somebody that's sleepwalking, just very kindly, would you kindly guide them back to their bed by their arm or their elbow, and then you can go on with the rest of your night. Right. And I don't know how much uh, worth it has into it, but back to, I guess, the lore of sleepwalking is another, like, reason that I've heard from, like, you know, either TV shows or, like, stuff based in, like, medieval times or stuff like that is you're not supposed to wake a sleepwalker because you're going to be talking to the realm of the dead or the realm of the sleeping. Just, like, you're, you'll be communicating huh. with... It's like a sleepwalker is a portal to another... Uh, realm of some sort or plane. The subconscious either. Yes. Or uh, other stuff like that. Like, you know, it, it's something to do with your messing up the natural order of things. Like they're channeling something when they're doing that. And you don't want to like mess it up and like accidentally abort the whole process as it's going. Yeah. That's just, just that's a little bit much. I, yeah. I don't know if I can quite get on board with that. Yeah. yeah I don't think you're going to end up talking to Zool during the mid middle nah. of like, you know, a sleepwalker's nope. uh, bout. No, nope. I don't think so either. If you're looking for concrete but incorrect answers, see season two, episode ten. <laughs> have you, have you, either of you, um, sleptwalk before? I don't. To my knowledge, I haven't. A lot of sleep talking. Take that back. One time, I may have sleptwalked. Carlene claims that I got up and peed in her underwear drawer once, but I, <laughs> I've never done that before in my life. Before that, to my own underwear drawer, or anybody else's. So I think she's a liar. But uh, that's very possible. I've done a lot of sleep talking. A lot of people can confirm it. You uh, have done it? Oh, yeah. Mark and I lived together in Houston for half a year. He said I was sleep talk two, three nights a week. Uh, our next Rumor Flies video supplement will be Craig Snyder. And Marshall validate it. Um, I've had like three or four people all say, oh, yeah, it's like you totally talk to your sleep. We will also double it with the hot water trick. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Paranormal activity, Greg. Paranormal tiltivity. <laughs> 
Okay, so wrapping up my, I guess, official last topic for the day, we are going to be having a talk about the fact that old people need less sleep. It's because they're dying. <laughs> you're going to get plenty of sleep soon. You don't need any more of that. <laughs> Drive faster. You're dying. Get to where you need to. You're on a time clock here. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, do you remember when we were working at Champagne Palace and there was like, um, oh man, I probably shouldn't have said what we worked at. I'll bleep that out. But do you remember how there was a birthday party for somebody who was turning absurdly old? Like like 95? You would have caught, it would have been a three alarm fire if you had lit all the candles on their cake. Yeah. So afterwards, uh, yeah, they were like moving tables and I was just like, I don't know, 15, 16 or so. And I was trying to tell them you can't move the tables without the permission or whatever. And then I remember one of our managers uh, was like, just let them do it. They're old. They're about to die. Anyway. Yeah, like, I, remember I that. almost got hit with a cane. That was the reason why I was going to him about it. <laughs> anyway, so um, I wasn't too familiar with this before until recently where people were like, oh, yeah, old people sleep a lot less than they need to. You know, babies sleep all the time because they're trying to grow and stuff like that. So old people, they uh, they don't need to sleep because they're already grown. And really, honestly, they're, they're degrowing. They're, they're shrinking. And if they sleep anymore, they'll keep shrinking. So... Uh, <laughs> That's pretty much what I've heard. They're Benjamin Buttoning. It's like when you take like one of those um, uh, those little dinosaurs you put in the hot tub that expand or whatever. Once you take it out, they just start like shriveling up a little bit back into a raisin. Those are always so disappointing. Yeah, I know. I swallowed one of those pills once. That's not smart. No negative repercussions. Mm, all right. So anyway, uh, really, there's not too much evidence backing one way or another that I've seen. There's been very few studies talking about the need for sleep between uh, all the age groups. However, there have been a couple where they've had a few different conditions where for a couple of nights or weeks, they would have people sleep in a controlled environment and they would measure their sleep uh, time and take an average. Well, so my own dumb thing here is that the reason you're, you need more sleep when you're younger is that your body still is growing and your body's still regenerating and things like that. As you get older, I feel like it's actually more of like a conditioning kind of thing that you get so used to the schedule that it, you don't require as much sleep because your body is used to being on such a schedule that you kind of get used to less and less sleep. That's I think that is the thought. generally accepted form of this uh, okay. this idea. Like that's what a lot of people think, and I I, I think that's completely reasonable, honestly. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't call that so much dumb, just as unverified, but it's a great posit right there. But this sleep study that I'm citing here showed that age groups between 20 to 30 usually had, on average, uh, 433.5 uh, minutes of sleep, which is 7.23 hours. Age 40 to 55 was 409.9 minutes, which was 6.83 hours. And 66 to 83 was 6.51 hours. And then the ages of 90 to 100 usually was infinite hours because they're already dead. So uh, is that the amount of sleep they, that within that age group they averaged? Or is that what they say they required? Like, I'm, I'm not... What, what do those numbers reflect? So they took all those people in, these, in this giant test group. Right. And they just took their numbers for how long they slept from like, you know, they had, okay. they, they had an EEG on their head and everything. They yeah, yeah. actually monitoring the brain activity. Start sleep, end sleep. They took an average and took that mean value, just put it in there. And it came out to, you know, 20 to 30, 7.23 hours, 45 to 55, 6.83, and then 63 to 83 was 6.51. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, looking at that, if you go from the group of most sleep to less sleep to least sleep by average, that's only 30 minutes. Yeah, it's really not that much. It's not that much at all, which, um, you know, I'm not sure. Um, 
Uh, well, how much do you really consider it to be a big significance or anything? When I think I, of, I well, do for one reason. Okay, well, well look at that. for me, I'm just thinking like old people. I when I say when they say they need less sleep, I'm thinking like I don't know six hours at most, four hours if they're feeling peppy, you know. So like that's what that's what I feel. And then like you know the, our age group is something like you know eight hours is what we need to function normally. But like we said, it is a genetic thing. Well, so. This is something I think if we do end up having another sleep episode, it was something that I was always taught was that to complete one REM cycle is an hour is 90 minutes. Okay. And that's where the eight hours a night comes from because it's 90 minutes for a REM cycle, but it's 30 minutes to get to that REM cycle. Mm -hmm. So in theory, it's, it's 90 minutes plus an additional 30. So you start off at two hours for one REM cycle, then three and a half, then five, then six and a half, and then eight. Yeah, I've seen that like some iPhones or like uh, Androids, like there's an app where you can actually time. There's an app called, called Sleep Cycle that's actually pretty popular. There you go. It pretty much times when you should wake up according to when what average asleep. sleep cycles are. They right. actually have it pinned out pretty well. It's your 3.5, 7, and I think 9.5. Like well, a lot of them will do is they'll... <clears throat> I literally me. mentioned none of those numbers, by the way. Uh, <laughs> ten and a half. Sorry. But some of them, what they'll do is they'll you'll put it like under a blanket near you, but not directly next to you. And it detects when you're starting to shift a lot because yeah, that's yeah, usually yeah. an indicator that you're in stage one right. yeah. and you set it to a 30 minute window of your alarm. So the moment it starts sensing that detection, if it's within that 30 minute window, it, the alarm goes off. Number one, almost terrifying to me. The fact that your phone can just detect when your sl- when the, when your movements in your sleep are a bit off. Well, like ugh. it's bird data technology. I love it. But at the same time, I am too accepting of it to be scared of it. So, um, anyway, getting to the actual science of it, uh, they also, in the same study, said that it took longer for the old people to fall asleep. Huh. So, it also could have been a thing that they may have noticed daylight coming in through their window. It also depends on the environment. This might not be a very good study because this was in a controlled lab environment. This isn't the comfort of this person's own home i've had to do a sleep study before for uh like various reasons i used to like you know the shoulder thing get up all the time and everything like that and i had to do a sleep study i don't think i got a single hour of sleep that entire time because i had you know electrodes all over me i was in a bed that wasn't mine with a pillow that wasn't nearly the firmness that i wanted it to be i don't think this is actually a very you know valid study well to the point where it could be you're saying that it doesn't reflect the everyday life of the average human being because it's in it's in such a controlled environment, which I would tend to agree with. And at the same time, you know, also to kind of go along with this, going back to, to light affecting your, your sleeping habits. People that are older tend to go to sleep earlier, so they're there might be more prone to light coming in. And we all joke that old people fall asleep at like 4 p.m., which nobody thinks is true, but they could fall asleep earlier to wake up earlier as well. No, yeah, they need to wake up early. They need to vacuum the, the sheets. They need to vacuum right. like the drapes. And they need to just go cut the grass with a pair of scissors and stuff like that. But you get it, Ryan. You yeah, it. it's 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 one of those kind of tropes about old people. But really, I mean, most people, it came from somewhere. People saying that, but they do go to bed earlier in most conditions. You know, from what you've seen. I mean, nursing homes are a thing, and people go to bed pretty early in nursing homes. Yeah. Unless bingo goes way over, but it's a, uh, a fun time. So, like this study, I wouldn't say it's a take it with a grain of salt thing. Maybe some like low sodium salt, like you know, with a, a drop of soy sauce, because it's still a study and they did find a difference. But it really doesn't seem, on average, to be that big. 
However, a 2008 study reported in the Journal of uh, Current Biology in which participants stayed in a bed for 16 hours in the dark each day for several days. So everybody pretty much is like, this is either the best study you could ever be in or the worst. For me, it's the worst, but a lot of people are just like human cats and would love it. I would, like, I would love it. Just like staying in bed, you know, for days on end uh, for 16 hours in the dark. Anyway, and they were seeing how much they would actually sleep. And it turns out that younger people slept an average of nine hours while older people, they didn't give the actual, in the, you know, brief abstract that I was reading, they didn't give the age groups, but they said young people's nine hours and old people were 7.5. Huh, that's, that's significantly different. Yeah, that, that's essentially a full REM cycle if what I said earlier is believed to be true. Right. So there may be some merit to this claim. Uh, one scientific reason or biological reason that people say this might happen is because they believe that some neuron clusters in your brain, which are responsible for, well, everything you do, uh, the ones for sleep regulation may actually degrade and die off as you get older. Uh, So your sleep schedule might actually be altered because it's kind of like a broken clock almost. uh, That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Of course, this is still very early studies. Like I said, we don't know a whole lot about sleep. We know some, but we've only come up with a model for sleep in the 1980s. Like, that's, I mean, re- that's crazy to me. It's not even 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, nuts. I mean, uh, Greg, you read a little bit about this. What's your word on it? On specifically which aspect of it? Just the old people needing sleep? What do, what do you lean towards? <clears throat> I mean, it's weird because in my experience, um, actually, I find a, a lot of early people don't go to bed that early, but that's totally anecdotal. Um, you also live in the French Quarter. Well, this is not even talking about of that. France, <laughs> the French Quarter of France. So all of France. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, I they keep the cream of the crop in one corner of France. <laughs> That's the French Quarter. The rest yeah. of it's all the dirty fondness. Oh, I'm sorry, Greg. Jerk. I've been cutting it down. Yeah, you're good. My my knee jerk had always I don't care. My knee jerk had always been that like the reason they sleep less is maybe because they're expending less energy. Um, but I mean, that's, you know, like that's not even half baked. Uh, it's hard to say who it's, uh, it's, it's hard to say. <laughs> that was my Josh impression. Um, that's, uh, it's hard to say either way. It's, um, I don't know. Obviously we don't know. I mean, the fact is sleep has so many mysteries around it because people are unconscious and you're using methods to test it and to check it that we aren't even sure are effective. Like. <laughs> it's anyone's best guess. Yeah, well, it's it's. I don't really lean any particular way. I just obviously there seems to be a trend of elderly people sleeping fewer hours. I this the I'd never heard that concept. Uh, one of these articles talked about where part of it might be because they have a hard time falling asleep and staying asleep. There's like actually a neurological issue they have as they're degrading. You know, as their brains are sadly degrading over time, that they just can't stay asleep, which yeah. is a very interesting idea. I'd never heard that before. It's weird because the more you degrade, it's like one extra pill added to that like weekly thing that you have to pop open. So I guess, you know, it's also I mean, it, it might take a lot more like externally to get to sleep for older people, you know, and get a normal night's sleep. It's uh, not one size fits all, but there's a whole bunch of different reasons. But honestly, there was enough people saying this in order for there to be a study on it. So, yeah, there's got to be some credibility, credibility to it then. That has dangerous grounds to walk on for a lot of things. But um, I would say this one, you know, I, I, I put some merit into it. So, Josh, you ready to get onto your favorite topic yeah, ever? The, oh, you can. Oh, my God. I hate this so much. 
I didn't mean to give you this one off the bat. Really? Because I, like, I think you did. I was just like, Josh Ryan, Josh Ryan. And then. Well, my nightmare, which is our next topic, is you eat spiders while you sleep. And for those of you who don't know, I am deathly allergic to spiders. So I would just say a freak. No, I'm allergic. I am wholeheartedly allergic. And before you ask the next question, I have no idea what spider it is. So I treat them all the same. I just stay the fuck away from them. Fair enough. It's, I mean, so, it's, it's a simple thing. So, yes. But uh, what I've heard is like eight spiders per year or something. I think that's the number that's always thrown around. All right, yeah, that there's a bunch of different ones like a pound, eight spiders. We'll get to that in a second, though. A but, pound of spiders. Somebody's ambitious. Yeah, yeah. Which, oh, anyway, luckily, oh, and for my own sanity, I was so happy when I read this. Have you found the origin of it real quick? Blow your roll there, Kimosabi. Oh. Luckily, this claim has no basis. And in fact, no such case on any formal record or anywhere in the scientific or medical literature there is out there can there be a case that shows somebody ate a spider. I'm just thinking that'd be the most dick study ever. Like, can you imagine just like a, a guy, like <laughs> some like guy in a coat with a board, with like, you know, just a, a clipboard and a pencil, just like watching somebody sleeping and a spider just like crawls in their mouth. Just like, that's one. <laughs> you're, you're, Ryan, Ryan, you need to slow your f***ing roll real I'm quick. I'm sorry. I'm just, po- I, we I need just, to slow down I'm real just quick. Guessing this stuff. And also, or somebody like getting up in the middle of the night, the si- same scientist just watching somebody gets up and just like sleepily just grabs a tarantula and just takes a big like bite out of it. It's like one and a half. <laughs> 1.5. Depends uh, how many legs it took. I'm going to need you to honk your horn three times and, and back up real quick, okay? Toot, toot, toot. Yeah, we're going to get there, okay? Beep, beep, beep. So, <laughs> a spider would not climb into a person's bed, so I'm just going to go through that. So, their typical sleeping area, all right? We're just going to assume it's a bed, okay? These places ew, don't offer any food or anything for spiders to eat because humans are there. But what about bed bugs? All right. That's why I said typically. That's not, that's not a, 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 an every person kind of thing. And don't spiders eat humans? Only in my nightmares. <laughs> I've seen eight-legged freaks. <sighs> Millions of people For have... the record, arachnophobia is worse. <sighs> that movie I can't watch. That one isn't even funny. Millions of people have sometime or other watched another person sleep. And as Ryan so elegantly diaried all over, why... After all this people watching while they sleep, has no one ever witnessed someone eating a spider in their sleep or a spider climbing into someone's mouth in their sleep? What'd you say? He said that we know of in a very whispered way. That's going to be fun for me to edit. Well, and here's why, Greg, that that most likely did not happen. A major deterrent for spiders jumping in your mouth bouncy castle is the vibrations. Our breathing, our heartbeat, and our p- possible snoring, I snore, I admit it, that would create such large vibrations that these little critters would stay the f*** away from us. I believe there's a Beach Boys song about that. Probably. The reason I'm saying this is spiders use their senses to navigate, and those vibrations would be more than enough to keep them away. And this is the way that, like, in my mind, it makes sense. Okay? So imagine there's a major earthquake going, going on right now. And you decide that you need to leave your home and you need to go to the kitchen in the Empire State Building in order to get some food. That's essentially what it is. Wait, what? 
you're you're in your home where you have things to eat or, or in oh, the general okay, vicinity, okay? okay? okay so you need to go to this much larger place, which would be us humans, in order to open the fridge there to try and potentially maybe get some food yeah. while there is like some kind of seismograph going off and shaking the ground to like an unholy level. Oh my God, that's actually a really cool idea. Because I, I didn't even think about that because, you know, have you ever seen how uh, spiders try to communicate with each other, especially like uh, for mating purposes? They build a web mm-hmm. and then they pluck the web. It's the vibrations. And think of the yeah. vibrations. They are much more proprioceptive than we are. That's, yep. that's, I had never even thought of it. I just thought it was just a ridiculous concept in the first place that like, you know, why would we even go out or why would spiders be so attracted to us in the first place if they're not in general? You know, most of the time they're out in the middle of a corner. That's, that's awesome. That's like equivalent to like one of us trying to like get a good night's rest of sleep. So we just like set up a sleeping bag in like the middle of a mosh pit, the gathering of the juggalos or some shit like that. That's exactly right. Like yeah. that's that's awesome. Uh, that's just shooting that one down immediately. Mm-hmm. I like that cut and dry one. Yep. And, you know, it's not like spiders are big fans of string instruments or anything. So and the last bit I'm going to get to Ryan was that while there is no confirmation of where the myth originated from. There is a very, very good idea of, of where this all was propagated. So it was Seinfeld, wasn't it? No, it was not. In 19- Alex Jones. <laughs> In 1993, there was a PC professional article by columnist Lisa Holst. You, just, you said PC professional? That's the name of the magazine. It's about computers, right? Yeah. Okay, just just making sure. It, that's erroneous on all accounts. But here's why. Miss Lisa Holst, she wrote... An it's art- Ann Landers, isn't it? No, thank God. <laughs> no, because this actually... You'll see why, okay? This, this, is why <laughs> I say this, this is why I say this for last, because it's so wonderful. She wrote an article about the ambiguous lists of, and as my air quotes are coming through the microphone, facts that were circulating via email and how readily they were accepted as truthful by gullible recipients. So to demonstrate her point, she offered her own made-up list of equally ridiculous facts, among which was the statistic cited above that the average person swallowing eight spiders per year, which she took from a collection of common misbeliefs printed in a 1954 book on insect folklore. So this is wonderful irony that she proposed these bullshit facts and everybody was like yeah that sounds about right and took it and ran with it so she took an old myth and then to show how current myths were stupid reused the old myth and then it became a myth again so she was trying to show how sometimes people don't do their own research and just take things for granted and rumors become fact without even guessing it. You would say that they just fly right out of people's mouths. Right? Interesting. Mm. See, this is awesome. So number one, that's awesome that like somebody was doing the show before we were in a PC magazine. Uh, but also, um, I was recently on an episode with Chris Dops from the Eastern Border. We've already had him on here. Everybody knows him. Uh, for his other uh, show, PDRP. Uh, and it's more of a political show, but... We, I was talking and I was like, we kind of had this idea that we are definitely not doing anymore. I think all three of us can agree that now. We were trying to think about eventually, or I brought this up to you once, the idea of like... Um, PCP? No. No. Uh, before the election cycle, uh, I had thought yeah. about the idea of like, you know, let's see how, let's, let's put this to the test. Let's make sure that we're not just, you know, saying people are stupid and we'll just go ahead and just, or misinformed and we'll just go ahead and share anything. And we're talking about making like a fake article or something like that and seeing how far we could make it reach. Right. Now we will get lynched for doing that because 
fake news now is a very, very big type of issue in the media, like across the world now. So, I mean, I don't think we're going to do that, but it's just crazy like that she actually got to do it and just show once again that, you know, people don't like to have to filter out every little piece of information and try to figure out if it's true or not. They'll just take it. Do you realize, though, how wonderful this is? 1993, there was no AOL. I mean, there was AOL, but there was no mass internet conglomerate like there is now. So the fact that in 1993... I think those are bulletin board systems still. Exactly. I mean, essentially the internet was just chat boards. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's all it was. And the fact that it was propagated so much, the fact that a lot of people have heard it well before Instant Messenger... Uh, I mean, email was a thing, but it's not like it was very widely popular or anything like that either. I think she may have actually accidentally got it at a like a sweet spot because she got on those boards and then the dot com bubble started inflating afterwards. And that's when it really probably spread. But th- that's the thing, though, is that she was able to pull this off and be like, yeah, this is bull. People don't know what the hell they're talking about. They believe anything. Just watch. And now we're like, yeah, this is a thing that people actually believe and they're dumb for doing it. Yeah, the problem is usually the articles refuting those don't get as popular. No, because it doesn't sell. It's not as fun. It's not clickbaity. Yeah. You don't want to be like, guess how many spiders you don't eat over the course of a year. You'll never believe how many spiders you eat per year. Saved you a click. It's none. Yeah. So that's awesome. I love that. Mm-hmm. That, that was really fun. And now, the last little bit we're going to get into is something that Ryan was very excited to get into. Not only me. Greg had seen this one before. Yeah, this was and one he was the first I mean, look, I look I've, I've heard it before, but we thought we'd end on a something we've never done before, actually. It's a little it's a little fun segment we're going to do. A little bit do. spooky scary. We should have done this for a Halloween episode. Spooky scary, spooky scary. <laughs> you can't sing it for more than 30 seconds or else we get a takedown. Doot, doot. So, <laughs> um, anyway... We're going to be talking about uh, this is a little bit of a um, back and forth between all of us about something called the Russian sleep experiment. And I honestly believe this the first three times I heard it, I guess, you know. Oh, um, you actually thought it was real. Yeah, I thought it was real the first time I read about it because oh. it was an accompanying picture and everything. I, you know, I guess to be fair, this is something that I heard about knowing it was a creepypasta. Surprise, surprise. It's not real, it's, everybody. It's, until the last paragraph, I could see at the very, 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 very end, you know, with the, the lines and all that. It was a little... So what we're actually talking about is it's a creepypasta. I mean, I, I think I can say, you know, I can say that without anybody doesn't know what a creepypasta is. It is kind of like um, almost uh, copy paste, copy pasta. It's like scary stories to tell in the dark, but now on the Internet and everybody's seen it and it belongs to nobody almost. Well, the reason I was going to say creepypasta is like I, I'm just assuming that people understand that it's not real. Like yeah. that—that's why I was going down that avenue. But also, as well, yeah, that I'm—I'm I'm sure most people have heard it. If not, yeah, that's a very easy way of putting. What They're the new campfire is. ghost stories. It's the new "Are You Afraid of the Dark?" Yeah, essentially. You know, I feel like you know Nickelodeon. If they were ever decide to become a valuable network again, they would like reassess the whole "Are You Afraid of the Dark?" and just call it creepypasta or something. Just I just want it. you to know that the number one children's network for ages like six to thirteen was Nickelodeon. Now it's YouTube. Oh, wait, have y'all ever read Please Wake Up? I'm surprised we didn't mention that one. I don't think so. Oh, I'll tell you that one after this super short. Okay. So I guess like the, the bullet points of the Russian sleep experiment is that during the 1940s, there was an experiment by the Soviet Union to take some political prisoners and pretty much tell them, look, you can do this experiment for us or we'll just keep you in the gulag. And they said, sure. They said, great. Well, yeah, they, they promised them their freedom if they agreed to do this experiment for 30 days, for one month. 
and the experiment was pretty much that they had to stay awake for that 30-day period. However, they had assistance. I believe they said that there was some sort of special chemical and the gas. There was a gas. Yeah, yeah, there was a gas that they used, and I believe that in some of the versions of this creepypasta, as it evolved, may have been that they actually gave a name to it. But I don't. Remember. I never got the name for it. There was actually in the podcast. It's either um, stuff to blow your mind or stuff you should know. That did a little bit on this. Huh. Um, and they they kind of went into the science of it, but. Uh, it was just I remember reading that they kept like slowly exposing the like these prisoners to this gas and it was five prisoners in one cell for a while completely blocked off light on all the time they always had cameras in there and no they no, no no cameras just microphones yeah they had microphones yeah, and they no also cameras because it was it was the 40s and that technology wasn't around but they had that in two way mirrors two way they, they had two two way mirror, mirror. or one sorry one way mirrors and microphones that was it yeah so that's one thing. Uh, and then afterwards, they were pretty much, I think, what, it was every, for about the first five days or three days, nobody was really complaining or so. After three, people were starting to get a little bit cranky. It was five, yeah. Yeah, they were starting to get a little bit cranky until a point where it started just getting to the, uh, a bunch of people, like, a bunch of the prisoners just started like, just rampantly screaming. Yeah, it was like the ninth days. One of them just started screaming. But the, the crazy thing about it was that as one of them's just like running up and down the cell, just screaming back and forth, the eerie thing was that none of them re- reacted. Then feces get involved. Well, but not only that, it was after a short amount of time before all that happened, the prisoners started turning on one another and they started talking specifically into the microphones, but it was just at a hushed whisper that, you know, was barely audible so they could get their thoughts out there. And they were trying to turn the the people conducting the experiment on the other four people inside the cell because they were trying to get out of it. Right. And then they started going German Jackson Pollock on all of the one-way mirrors and covering them with feces and just like gluing, I think they had papers, like I think they still books. had books. They had books in there, yeah. Yeah, they started covering that and shit, everything essentially. Kept whispering in the microphones to the point where it just kind of got quiet. And Oh yeah, one day it just stopped. Yeah. And that was the thing was that they thought they were all dead, but they checked the oxygen levels they were monitoring in the cell and they realized that there was no way these people were dead because there was too much of an output of all of CO2. Yeah, of the CO2, oxygen consumption you. levels. Well, the, were... I was going to say that uh, everything, you know, obviously this isn't perfect. This is a creepy pasta, okay? But this was this was the, the logic at the time when you know when they wrote about it. Um, and this wasn't written in the 1940s. I guess we should also mention that this, you know, it was a it was a relatively you know recent. This thing. was found after the fall of the Soviet Union. Yes, that's exactly it. And that, that but that should be established that they thought they were dead because it was just it was eerily quiet. And then they decided to think midway through on the 15th day, they opened up, they were going to open up the cell. And that's when they walked in to find that one of them done died. Yeah, this would have made Ed Gein blush. So it was pretty much they walked in and they saw everybody in a state of and they kind of love the way this is written because they dragged out how bad it actually was. At first, they say, oh, there was four people alive and one person was dead. And there was a lot of chunks of that person missing uh, in, the, in the dead one. Yeah. They it, couldn't they, tell how many of the fluids was actually blood on the ground and everything. And then they start describing the other prisoners inside of there. I believe the description was that pretty much all of them had been uh, self-eviscerated to the yeah, point where they, they tore were, themselves open. They tore themselves open. Their organs were hanging out, but still intact and functioning, and functioning like organs yeah. should. And then uh, they're... I know we're getting really graphic with this, but essentially, I don't know if we should go too much into this. People get squeamish. 
but um, anyway, they had been self-cannibalizing, and they had also been mutilating themselves. Right. To the point that all of them, had, they had to just quit the experiment at that point, and they had to just take them out and then put the people in the hospital. And they kept trying to put people in surgery. But here's the problem, though, is that when they would put the people in the hospital, they were all losing their fucking minds because they just wanted to go back into the cell. They're screaming for the gas. And they they, they were just like, they wanted to be back to be staying awake. Yeah. They didn't they didn't want to be saved. They didn't want to be helped. They wanted to go back in, into where they spent the previous two weeks. Not to mention that people died getting them to the hospital. Apparently, some of the cleanup team that tried to get them out of there. Yeah, they're like six or seven people died. One or of them had like a that. femoral artery bitten, stuff like that. One of them got shot, like or you know, just a ton. Like guards died trying to get those people into the hospital. And they took their own lives afterwards. Yeah, from yeah. everything that they saw. So that was bad enough. So naturally, in the true KGB fashion, they're not quitters, and they said, we probably need to keep this experiment going. I believe uh, it was quoted, I don't remember where, but it was, fuck it, we'll do it live, I think is what it was. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Boris O'Reilly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they bring the prisoners back because they're just like, what else the fuck are we going to do with them? They're already fucked. So let's just put them back in. They want to go back in there. We don't care. And uh, as they're doing, as they're trying to bring this study into fruition, because they already screwed it up. They took people out of the stimulant, and it turns out that at least they're go-getters, and the subjects didn't want to fall asleep, so they could have they continued. They didn't fall asleep, even after a, a heavy sedation. And they, the Russian government was so disturbed by these people that they wanted to end the experiment that they put them through, and they were trying to find answers for doing, and they were retracting what they previously wanted to do and the prisoners were it's not like they wanted their freedom because they didn't they just wanted to get the gas in more like, so they could like, stay awake no it's cool dude you started this we're finishing it don't worry we got this i'm we're not a good testes i've never quit anything in my life <laughs> so they put them back in the cell and then as they are doing this research on them they once again start flipping their shit, and they send three researchers in there and the new colonel in charge is pretty much like it got way too rowdy and to the point where he was like we're gonna seal that up we are not dealing with this anymore just close it up i don't care if there's researchers in there right now and here's the story kind of unravels itself because it doesn't say where the 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 commander is of the entire experiment but it, one of the researchers pulls out a gun shoots the commander in the head and then just shoots point blank one of the other uh testes who i think we were at three at this point yeah because one of them died. died on the way to surgery you know something like that and one of them they they killed in the very beginning so now three of them are dead and there's two left so as this thing is about to conclude they find out that as he's about to put out the last person he says uh, what the hell is going on? And then the prisoner says, Вы что, так легко забили? Мы, это вы сами. Мы, это то бешенство, которое живет внутри вас всех, в вашем животном мозге, которое просит свободу каждый момент вашей жизни. Мы, это то, от кого вы прятаетесь каждую ночь. Мы, это то, кого вы отравляете до тишине парализа, когда вы идете на ночный парадес. The subject smiled. Have you forgotten so easily? The subject asked. We are you. We are the madness that lurks within you all, begging to be free at every moment in your deepest animal mind. We are what you hide from in your beds every night. We are what you sedate into silence and paralysis when you go to the nocturnal haven where we cannot tread. The researcher paused, then aimed at the subject's heart and fired. The EEG flatlined as the subject weakly choked out. 
так близко свободе. So nearly free. The gospel of Lenin. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Peter Stalin. <laughs> Beat me to it, you motherfucker. So, Peter Trotsky. <laughs> after that great soliloquy... <laughs> That's good. After that great soliloquy, he was shot in the head for his efforts. So that is the end of the Russian sleep experiment. Now, this got around... like, all like, pit around that we've all read it, but none of us were... F- I, I thought we were, like... I didn't know what we were doing with this specifically, so I didn't reread it before tonight. It's I don't know if either story. y'all didn't. I just love how we, like, kind of, like, stumbled our way through the plot trying to remember. But it's great because, like, I, I read it... That's part of the fun of it, though. I read it probably twice this week, but I was not recalling it, like, reading from... Yeah, exactly. any of my notes or anything like that. Very and I think Josh is about the same. Like we were doing it the way you would generally do a campfire ghost story and yeah. just the way you would propagate a rumor. Like we probably changed the original story a good bit in the sure. meantime. And I mean, I think we try to keep it as, as it is. Oh, well, no, yeah, I'm saying but... it's just fun. I just think it's fun. Like kind of like, no, it's, it's fun, fun this process. Exactly. And it will, we will have uh, a, a link to the Russian sleep experiment in the show notes if you if you would like to check that out. It's 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 not a very long read. It took us what maybe ten minutes if that. Check it out. It's it's a fun little thing, and that way you can understand what the hell we're actually talking. But about. But for origin's sake, this is actually more recent than I had thought. I thought this is like early two thousands type of uh, creepypasta, like you know maybe like was born of 4chan, like, so about 2004, 2005 I read it in 2009 or 2010. You actually read it very early. Oh, really? Yes. I remember reading it at my friend's place in college. The earliest account is, they even have a date on this, like, to the day. August 8, 2009, this story was posted on the WordPress blog known as RIP747. And that makes sense. My friend Josh is usually like really ahead of the curve on this stuff. Not me. Not me. So it just took off from there. All right, and I think this is great. And for some reason, I think at least on the in the Western Hemisphere, uh, you throw Russia in anything, people will probably believe it because uh, some pretty creepy stuff. Not do, not even like the, the <laughs> know, whole I thing know, right I know, now. I know. But I mean, the other one that comes to mind is something that a whole X Files uh, movie was based off of. Uh, oh, that's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. The whole thing with the dog head being like the monkey heads being taken off and like you know kept in. That's older than the sleep experiment. That's older. But the whole, like, idea of, like, all these crazy things, because, you know, everything that KGB did was locked up for so long, so, like, you know, every now and then you can just be like, you know, you can probably get away with saying there's a new Grimm's fairy tale that came out and probably say, okay, that's it. And also, the KGB did this, you know? It's one of those things where it's so prime for fan fiction that it's hard to pass up as a topic, you know? You want something to be a little bit more believable? Yeah. Put it in Russia. Yeah, no, that that's very true, and... There's just so much of that that era and time frame that almost anything's believable as well. So it's not like a or anything that we enjoyed through in reading we've we've revisited that we've done a long time ago. And we thought we'd share it with you guys. So we hope you enjoyed it. Yes. So I think that wraps up our possibly first step. I didn't do it. So I think that wraps up our first and possibly not last episode on sleep. I have, uh, I've liked this format. I think it was pretty cool. I, I am glad that we did this one. It's, um, Greg just did a thumbs up as if everybody else here was here to watch. But, uh, yeah, yeah. if anybody wants us to do something like this again, let us know. I mean, we've had some pretty good response for some of the episodes this season. Yeah. And I believe our next episode, like I 
incorrectly stated last time, I think we definitely have a listener suggestion coming up. In we the do. Future. It's yeah. going to be the first fully listener suggestion episode. Yeah. And it was only by one listener, too. That's the funny part. Yeah, he had a really good idea. We'll be crediting him. Yeah, we will definitely be giving him a shout out. So if you want to get some credit from the Rumor Flies gang. Feel free to send us an email with some topics. Hey, it's all up to you for us to just like take a listener mailbag and just make an episode out of like the different like myths that you throw at us. We don't care how crazy they are. We'll we do them. We really em. don't like working. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Greg. Yeah. Why don't you tell the people where they can find us? Absolutely not. Um, you can find us at rumorfliespodcast.com, rumorflies at gmail.com for we any tell questions Google or Plus. suggestions. Google Plus for that sweet, sweet SEO. Um, <clears throat> you can find us at rumorflies on Twitter, Twitter and Instagram, Twitter, Instagram, uh, <laughs> Facebook.com slash rumor flies. Uh, am I missing any? Nope. Just uh, the part where you say, please leave us a five star uh, yes, review. Please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. Five stars would be preferable. Um, it's also a great place for telling us what you think of the show, some of your favorite stuff about it. We do read every review that comes through. So um, thank you very much um, for all that you have. Thank you in the future for those of you who will. Thank you, guys. Uh, so I think that about wraps this episode and everyone up. I want to make sure to check out uh, the Why next are you Adidas wrapping podcast. Up? I wrap everyone up. I'm mummifying. <laughs> Mummy. But yeah, once more, make sure to check out the uh, Incivitas podcast. N S A V I D E S. Um, if you look up the Incivitas podcast, it very quickly found. But we'll have again links in the show notes and description. It was yeah, low yeah. hanging fruit. Nobody else wanted that name. It's pretty <laughs> 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 very specific. <laughs> All right, Rumor Flies. Well, thank you for uh, hanging out with us on this episode. As always, I'm Josh. I'm Ryan. I'm Greg. We'll see you guys next time. Happy birthday, Greg. Bye. Thank you to Chris Daft from the Eastern Border for the Russian voiceover. This episode's closing song is Sate by Morgan Greenwood. 